Okay, so what is ASMR? ASMR is basically people just whispering. Well, what does that mean? Though? Making noises and shit. What? Because yeah. everybody's been. I don't know what the acronym means, but oh, I do oh, know. No. But I do know <laughs> that it's like a certain sort of subset of videos See, and this is audio. problem with meme culture. <laughs> Shut up. Listen, don't tell your sister. But uh, oh no, no. I know you're masturbating. Oh night. no. <laughs> Oh no! I know she. she I know she can't hear you, but uh, me and your mom can. Okay, so (laughs) here's what I want you to do. I made you an adult wooden crib, and I want you to get in there every time. Don't worry, we have an O2 tank for you too, buddy. (laughs) Oh, the adult wooden crib. You know, you like that. That's like in your head now. What? (laughs) I thought it was a tattoo. Oh God! Christian Bale would do it. Yeah. Well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's uh that's uh that's, that's, that's not a thing to be proud of welcome into film tank the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new John Krasinski film, which is A Quiet Place. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. This is episode 149, and I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney. Any of you motherfuckers try anything, and I will fucking kill you all. I'm pointing to my hearing aids. It's a very funny visual joke, and it makes it even funnier on podcasts when I have to explain it. Mm-hmm. And also cover your microphone when you're explaining it. That was kind of weird. Why don't you go fuck yourself, Alex? No, thank you. Tucson Egan. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Always so cheerful. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't even do anything like Steve Carell, loud noises. No, we're just uh, we're doing a really chill review of A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. ASMR. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay, so what is ASMR? ASMR is basically people just whispering. Well, what does that mean? Though? Making noises and shit. What? Yeah. No, like explain what cuz everybody's been I don't know what the acronym means, but oh, I do oh, know no. but I do know <laughs> that it's like a certain sort of subset of videos and audio. This is a problem with meme culture. (laughs) Shut the fuck up! You think you know the joke you're making. I do know what it is. It's not a joke. It's a real thing. I know. Well, you're making a joke. Where if you whisper for... You you don't even know what the acronym stands for. All I know is I keep seeing it in tweets, and I don't know what people are referencing. And clearly neither does Tucson. (laughs) That's a bad place to be. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Okay, so... Are we uh, just so I understand this? This acronym is like is it like a like a trigger warning type thing that is going on top of videos to let people like why where did this come from? Like what does this mean? Okay, autonomous sensory meridian response or 
also known as ASMR, is Very a term good. used for an experience characterized by a static-like or tingling sensation on the skin that typically begins on the scalp and moves How down the back. How does this relate to yeah. the film? It has so been compared with auditory tactile synesthesia. No, no. How does it? Re- <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. You said it was about people whispering and shit. Yeah. Yes, that's what it's talking about. Auditory. No, that, that was like, like that was like an erogenous. So, sound. if you could like, please explain how, my, how this relates to the film, that sounded like if just... I rub my scalp in the right way, I'll have an orgasm. <laughs> Which doesn't sound anything like. Oh, it's like people whispering and shit. No, but people actually whispering in low sort of voices actually does elicit the same sort of response. And this is in a certain exactly subset of people. Why Trump is president. So how does this relate to this film, Tucson? Because it's quiet. What does that have to do with rubbing a scalp? I don't get it. So anyways, A Quiet Place, which was written... You know, if we were in this world that the people inhabit, mm-hmm. while you were sleeping... You'd be dead first. No, while you were sleeping, I'd fucking tie a bell around your neck. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Wow. Seems cool. Yeah, that's the point, motherfucker. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. Nick would also be putting nails into the stairs. Oh my god! I know. She home alone herself. <laughs> god damn it! <laughs> that's great. Oh shit. So this film was written by John Krasinski and other people who didn't really get mentioned, other than just him, and directed by, and solely directed by John Krasinski, and also starring. John Krasinski, and his wife, Emily Blunt, and three kids who are not their real-life children, played by Millicent Millicent Simmons. It was great. Yeah, Noah Jupe. And then the little kid, played by Cade Woodward, who doesn't make it very long to do this. So, this film surrounds a family that is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by the sounds they hear. Seriously, though, like, our bodies make enough noises. Right. I gotta call bullshit. I feel like they'd be dead before day four. Well, that's the thing. Have you ever tried to hold in a shit? It just makes it louder. I don't want to answer that question. Oh. Oh. Is that... Oh, is that too personal? I don't know how to how to respond to that. I'm just like... I mean, yeah, I guess... I'm not it... asking you. I know you have. What? <laughs> Fuck you. Um, wow. Nick's bringing out the A material tonight. We're just... <laughs> this is great. We're so feisty today. Yeah. So, this was a film. Yeah. It, it, was, was, per- a, it was a nice short horror film. Yeah. That hit a lot of the right notes, in my opinion. I'm glad we can both agree that it was a horror film. Yeah, this is right in the wheelhouse of a horror film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No? Okay. No, it, no it, it very much is. Yeah. We don't need to have this discussion. No. Anymore. Oh, please don't. We've already had this numerous times. Oh, no. And I've... We're not going to do it. I'm I'm, I'm good where I'm at, yeah. so... It's a good horror film. I, I'm not saying that this is not a horror film, yeah. or that it's good. Mm. So, I guess... Um, I'll start yeah. since I'm already talking. Please. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so I was very much on the fence about this film as I, as most of the listeners who've listened to previous episodes probably know, I'm not a huge horror film fan. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will say so far this year, um, 
two films that could be classified in the horror genre are my two favorite films, which were Unsane and this one, uh, as I thought this was actually quite good. Um, This film, I feel like, hits a lot of the right notes throughout, while at the same time not doing anything that new, but uh, putting the whole horror jump scare trope uh, into a new feeling, exciting package, in my opinion. Um, and, and there are a lot of other elements that go along with this that make this a really good film. And I'm not comparing this to something like Alien or The Thing, but I do feel like... Uh, well, it's asking to be compared to at least yeah. one of those. Well, yeah. Um, I, I think... I think the creature design and the way that the alien moves throughout and the sounds that it makes. Yep, there you go. It's from Ethiopia. Uh, The sounds that the alien makes and also just the look of it, um, I think, is a a huge win in amongst itself, let alone for the rest of the horror elements in the film. It's been like years since one of these movies have come out where it basically... Uh, teases a monster throughout, and then the actual design lives up to the, not hype, but just the expectation of something terrifying. The face alone, at least. Yeah, and the the way that the multiple openings come throughout, they're almost like a... God, I don't know what the best way to describe it. It's all, It like just like opens up in all these different compartments, and, and it's just... Um, it's just wild, to be yeah. totally honest with you, in, in a good way. Yeah. Um, and... I did have some problems with this film, uh, and I, I think probably the the biggest problem I actually had was the very final image, which I thought was quite silly. Um, and that's not to say, I thought the final scene was actually very good of this mm-hmm. film, but uh, the idea of Emily Blunt cocking the gun like she's going to go hunt him, her some, some aliens, I thought was Hell very, yeah. I thought it was very silly, mm-hmm. especially after the pretty awesome final 20 minutes that preceded it, I thought that that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, though... Uh, but she's empowered. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought there was a lot of good here in this film, uh, and a lot of great images, too, and not necessarily the cinematography, although that wasn't hey, bad or anything like female that. female DP. You yeah. don't see that every day. Mm-hmm. Not really, no. But we should see that every day. Probably, yeah. But we don't see that. should yeah. see that every day. Oh, shit. With our eyes. Oh that's how people see films. So, um, overall, I'm, I'm getting a little little all over the place here. Yeah. But um, I think this is a quite good film that I think lives up to a lot of the hype that it uh, gave off. And I'm probably not the best person to be you know, taking my opinion uh, if you are really into horror films and really into these kind of thriller, horror-esque films. However, I will say, um, me giving this a really high rating probably means that it's actually pretty fucking good. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, move along to whoever wants to start next. Yeah, I'll go next. So, I didn't really have any which way sort of expectations like going into this film. Like, I had seen the trailers for it. I had heard um, some infusive praise uh, from my co-host, Nick. And, you know, it was like glancing across some of the reviews and stuff. I heard it was going to be pretty good so i walked in and i watched it and i ended up coming out really enjoying it i i i guess i wasn't really conscious of how how silent it was just because it felt so 
well, obviously you're going to be fucking quiet in the movie theater anyway. But it's just I really just enjoyed the sound design. I didn't feel like there was anything lacking. There was yeah. nothing lacking for this film actually having. And, and I, what I also really enjoyed was how prominently they used, um, how predominantly they used sign language. Like I actually want to know like what the production history behind that is. Like, did they already know sign language? Did they have to get a it's production history of the characters or of of, of, like, the, of the making the film. Oh, of, like, okay. like the actors actually learning sign language. Like, how from long... what I read, they all. Except for um, Millicent, mm-hmm. um, they all had to learn it, but they made sure with uh, input from the daughter mm-hmm. actress herself, yeah. and of course, I believe an ASL coach on set, yeah. um, that they learned. I mean, you have to think about the script. There's not that many lines. Mm-hmm. Even in sign language, it's yeah. very uh, cut and dry sentences. So yeah. um, from what I understand, they they had the outside help basically teach them. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I, it's also a really um, cool message, uh, in my opinion, that, well, other than, than the daughter being a main character and really just highlighting her, I always pronounce it wrong, cochlear implant? Cochlear. Cochlear implant. Yeah. That's a good try. Uh, at any rate. It's um, okay, they can't hear you. <laughs> it's not often a word you have to say, but. Um, the I idea- can make that joke because I wear hearing aids. Yeah. But everyone else not allowed, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you won't know even if we do, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the idea that their family probably had a huge advantage in terms of trying to make it further than everybody else in this game of life, um, just because they knew sign language this already. Crazy game of life. I mean, was it like forty something or eighty days in, and yeah, pretty, much, days. pretty much everyone else is dead. Yeah, then they they went a year. No, I don't think everybody else was dead. There was that one scene. They're either where dead. they were on top of the, um, the corn tower or whatever, and he's like lighting a fire, and you see the other fires in the oh, distance. No, no, like no. that was. I'm, I'm not meaning like everybody. I mean like life as we know it has ceased to exist. Yeah, like, civilization you know, I mean, is dead. There, it was yeah. an epidemic. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like everybody it wasn't like the population lived on in the exact same manner that this family Correct. was living on yeah but the the idea that that the swift end came in under three months right. is pretty... and one of their biggest hurdles became one of their biggest strengths as far as having as a family to communicate mm-hmm. uh, yep. with a deaf person which is that's probably what got them this far as they did yeah and also different colored lights. Very important. Hell yeah. <laughs> Red for birthing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't understand the whole fact of them actually attempting to have a kid. I mean, I guess attempting to have a kid in the wake of like losing their yeah. previous child. I guess that's yeah. supposed to be so the that's still that's a really fucking dumbass thing to do, especially well, in this it, world. You know, I gotta say, uh so many people already we're shitting over that idea it's, when when the trailers mm-hmm. were hitting. It's it's low hanging fruit. To I be mean, yeah. With you. yeah. I mean, sure, but you could also say, why do they bother even living? Like, mm. uh, you know, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I. It, so I will admit, after I saw the movie, seeing the opening scene, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I have no problems now that they're that they try to have a child. Not because it makes the most sense as far as, like, just because I wouldn't do it doesn't mean that uh, I can put myself in somebody's right. shoes who are, A, living in the most... 
Not to mention, if this is going to be an Adam and Eve type world, you might as well try to get it going. And it seemed like, too, that they were safety in numbers. I mean, for one person to... Uh, no? Oh, no, I was just going to say... I just meant it didn't seem um, like the worst thing ever to bring life into the world. Mm-hmm. It, I guess. In my opinion... Um, they either had no shot at all, so they should have just killed themselves, mm-hmm. or they were just trying to live. Um, this movie may have had a hard time existing in its form without her being pregnant and having a child. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, that's... that's 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 the thing, though. I mean, it, it it is a movie, and it is a horror-esque movie, so you need conflict to arise. And yeah. and it's not even so much that it, like, it, like it, needs, it gives her something to do. Like, she is directly involved with one of the best set pieces in the entire movie because she's pregnant. So mm-hmm. it's more just like, why make a character deaf? Well, they need sign language. Why make her pregnant? Well, you need a Moses-like baby to float around in the basement. Like, um, you know, it just seemed like everything was trying to amp the horror aspect up, and it was never too unbelievable for me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because of the child dying. Like, that was the whole thing. So, Sort of echoing... Um... Alex's comments. I really enjoyed the design of the the monster. Above all, it's like I just think that that was actually one of the most interesting like designs that we've come across in like recent years. The sort of like chittering teeth, the uh, the the sort of like the ear cavity that would just like open up and it would just heighten all noise like surrounding and just kind of really um, intensified oh, the the threat of of why they have to be so quiet. Every time it opened up, I just wanted to take a Q-tip and just kind of go beep, 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 beep. You'd be dead. Um, well, I wouldn't actually say beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I'm going to pass this on to Nick. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can continue. No, I'm good. Are you sure? I'm sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, um, I I watched the trailer a lot because it was in front of a lot of movies and I got to admit that I really liked the trailer so I actually thought the movie was going to (laughs) suck like it was one of those reverse psychology where I just thought oh well clearly they put all their best moments in the trailer and I still think that might be true well I mean but the movie doesn't necessarily live and die by its best moments Mm -hmm. like it's still a very enthralling uh, uh, collection of moving images um and I also just thought that the trailer itself was selling the no sound, or I should say no dialogue angle. There's sound from start to finish, but the no dial, but no, like the trailer is actually a pretty great representation of what this movie. Is. So, because they actually weren't overselling the movie at all, and they were just kind of you know just showing it, um, I was pleasantly surprised that I thought this was just very fun. Um, I'm not really here for the drama in this movie um i i wish i would have been and i wish i could be but for me the movie loses sight of the fact that its protagonist is uh millicent's character um at the most crucial moment whereas i think the movie wants you to think that she's the protagonist but and i'll get into that later but it's a little too enamored by john krasinski's uh dad bod to fully uh sell that idea to me but as a horror film i thought it was just just a lot of fun i thought there were some great 
moments that felt new to the canon of horror, modern day horror, I should say, um, where I'm always going to remember that nail and, you know, I'm always going to remember the image of that baby in the basement, you know, just little things like that, which are like not reinventing the wheel whatsoever, but uh, really, really work uh, in an effective way. I mean, in the screening we just came from, uh, I was very happy that someone made a ridiculous comment, because the first screening I went to was full. I mean, no seat uh, was uh, not taken, Mm -hmm. and... I was surprised that it was a very quiet theater. And not in, like, quiet in the good way, where, like, people were, like, trying to be quiet, because actually people were, like, playing with chips and whatnot mm. and a bag of that. And But, like, just nobody seemed to, like, scream or, like, just give... Like, I just never heard There's a no sigh feedback, of relief. Yeah. Whereas, in this screening, at least, I heard a few, so that was good. Hot yeah. damn! Yeah. Um, and that was, like, that's half the fun Get of seeing the these. Get out the room! <laughs> theaters. So I, I was happy with that. But um, I thought John Krasinski is it's interesting because he's been making films for a while now. Like, not a lot of people realize that, but no. if you look at his IMDb, he's been directing films for all... What? This is really only his second major film. Like, are we defining major as something? Because I'm saying, please give he, me the rundown because I did not even know that oh, yeah. he had made any films. He's before made. This. I mean, I can think of like three off the top of my head before this. He's just been going around the indie circuit for a mm-hmm. while. So he directed a film called Brief, Brief Interviews, Interviews with, with Hideous Men. Men. He directed three episodes of The Office. Yeah. He directed The Hollers. Oh, so he had, okay. I didn't. I thought he had done at least something else in between and then, Brief and. No, and then okay. he directed this film. So it's really only been three films. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, thank you yeah. for that. I'm... Well, what I'm trying to say is most people don't, like, people keep talking about him as a director uh, as if this was some big secret, but it's mm-hmm. funny because it was more of just a well kept secret. Like, because um, he made brief uh, interviews, like, if not a decade ago, like, seven or eight years ago, because I remember when watching The Office thinking, like, oh, I should watch that because I saw a trailer for it attached to, like, a DVD of smart people with like Dennis Quaid and uh, Ellen Page. So anyway, yeah. So um, I've known that he's been clearly wanting to be a director for a long time with no success really, because no one ever really uh, reviewed his movies very favorably. So I do think him as a horror director, um, there's going to be a lot of takes coming out uh, in the wake of this movie as if like he like as if it takes an outsider to make a good horror film and if you see anything with that uh, headline or thesis run away because that's bullshit mm-hmm. and Krasinski himself makes some very first time rookie mistakes in this I think yeah. um, we do not need loud jump scares for a raccoon uh, I, and I don't mean that a raccoon in that situation can't startle a character but you do not need to turn it up louder than the noise a raccoon would fucking make. Um, you do not need the fake out of Jim. I call him Jim because that's what everybody's going to call him. Yeah, uh, Jim. Jim. Jim from The Office. Yeah. But um, you do not need the fake out of the husband believing that his wife is dead, even though she's literally two feet from him. Uh, not only that, but apparently her hand on the glass is like an earth-shattering noise. So there are moments like that where 
Krasinski just doesn't understand that his premise is already scary enough and there will be plenty of moments when loud noises make perfect sense. So, you you know, it, it was just very silly. Mm. Um, um, but overall, I thought all just about every other scare just really worked. I was uh, that nail. I got to say, like, that is on the level for me of a similar movie to this, which is Don't Breathe from uh, two years ago, I think, mm. a year ago. Right. You gave it for, to me for Christmas, not this Christmas, but last Christmas, so, so it had I, to have been two years ago. I meant two years ago. I, it was either 2015 or 2016. I yeah. was thinking it was actually longer than that. Oh, but. okay. So anyway, obviously these two movies are modern-day horror 2016. Films. Okay. Yep. Modern-day horror films that deal with uh, characters having to be quiet due to a extraterrestrial's uh, <laughs> sense of sound. Oh, man, I cracked myself up. It's funny because he tried to rape Jane Levy with a turkey baster. Anyway. Um, she wasn't the first one. Either. That is true. But um, uh... but no, but there's a moment in that movie where uh, Pe- uh, Fede Alvarez, who's the director of Don't Breathe, uh, lets us go through the entire house before the carnage and the mayhem and whatnot begin. And those kind of moments are so crucial to a horror film. Like, it is not enough to scare us. You have to basically make us feel subconsciously like we are in this space because we do know what is ahead in that corridor and what is there that Mm. our characters might not always be thinking about because they're the ones that are in dire situations. Mm. So um, when Krasinski lets loose a little bit and we see the... um, the sack of laundry stretch the nail out, and we as the audience know exactly <laughs> what that means for our characters, mm-hmm. you know, soon enough. Like, that is just, it, it's not good filmmaking. It's just, that's the essence of horror right there for me, is waiting on an easy scare and going for something that will just be drawn out, and not in an obnoxious way, but something that will just kind of sit in the back of your head until it comes back in full force. And cause and, a disaster. Yeah. And um, so I, I applaud him for that because when I saw that in the theater for the very first time, like I think most people jaws drop when she puts her foot through the nail, whereas my jaw dropped the moment that the nail became exposed because I was yeah. just so happy that the filmmaker was actually trying to create some vitality to not just the scenes at present, but the entire uh, orchestration behind uh, what happened. I just fixated on that for like 40 fucking minutes. Like even after the nail had, had served its purpose, I'm like, oh God, who's going to step on that fucking nail I again? That, that did get confusing after her initial, uh, like everything from the moment it's exposed to the moment she steps on it is fucking amazing. Uh, but the fact that she, multiple people go up and down those stairs. She, she's points, oh, don't, there's a nail. But like, it, that nail just never... I don't know. It was... I guess I'm glad we didn't get this, but as a viewer, I guess I was thinking we were going to get some Buster Keaton shenanigans or something <laughs> and be like, you know, like she'd step out of the game. I will say, um, and I told you it's not this already, I feel like my problem with that, and not that I, I, I didn't like it because I thought everything for the most part surrounding was really good, but... I will say it fell into the American cinema trap of 
fixating a little bit too much on the nail when she's pulling it up the stairs, being like, hey, dum-dums, this is going to come back later, so you should remember well, this. Well, no, here's the thing, though. The reason why that moment works for me mm-hmm. because of that is that normally I would say you're right, but in this situation, as a viewer, it's fixating because the danger is not the nail at that moment. The danger is that she's going to trip or something worse because of the fabric being caught on the nail. So the fact that the relief doesn't come the moment <laughs> that the fabric tears away and that that only creates a new layer of tension is what I thought was horrifying and hilarious at the same time. I, You're a terrible person. Um, no, but... Uh, that's just how I saw it. Because I'm saying I, I basically I see what you're saying mm-hmm. because normally that kind of like, oh, just wait, yeah. you know, uh, but... I don't know. For me, at least, I thought it was fun. I thought it was like a half second too long. Like, it should have pulled away and left it there and just, like, the audience should forget about it from that moment on. Oh, really? I think so. When she's walking down the stairs, you know, then, because that's what horror is, is to, like, watch... That's your... That's your... That's your bitch, don't go down those stairs moment. Yeah. I'm I'm with you, but for, for me, I would have enjoyed the film more if it would have... If it would have been as soon as she stepped out, I'd been like, "Oh shit, that's right." But yeah, so I'll just pass it back to you guys Pardon for uh, opening thoughts and such. But in general, I thought it was uh, a lot of fun, even if I have some definite problems with it as a narrative. Yeah, I um, there were so many parts of it that I just enjoyed. I like the use of of lighting throughout here that I thought was really good. Uh, most of this film. Actually, not most of it, but but a good portion takes place uh, during nighttime, and I thought the use of lighting here was was really strong. Um, I like the use of flashlights. I feel like the know, flickering a, effect of technology. Yeah, in, I mean, in proximity it, to the actual creatures. I I didn't well, notice that until the second viewing, and I was just like, oh. I noticed the first viewing, but I got confused the first viewing. And yeah. Not because it's like some grand mystery, but because I was just too taken by the immediate action. Mm-hmm. But it definitely wasn't until the second viewing when I was like, I guess the creatures are causing that because of their frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but the idea of, of just the look of it and the way it, it comes through through the screen and also you know through the audio that we're, we as the audience are hearing, I thought worked really well. Um, I'm, I'm always a huge fan of the technical aspects of film and, and when a film does them well. And I think this film does a lot of that. Well, uh, the opening, the opening scene, I actually didn't love other than the idea of the child getting killed. And I'm probably a terrible person for saying that, but I mean, it is, it is the driving force of a lot of the actions of this film. So it is obviously an important part. It was an impressive first showing for the creature. Well, I, that's, that's the thing. But, but, but I I was just going to say really quickly, the, the whole scene that preceded it, I was just, I just, I just felt like it was just not the opening scene I would have been hoping for for, for this kind of film. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really... If you like the child getting whatnot, you don't really... You can't really have that scene without what came before. No, I'm saying, I, like, you would have wanted to, like, press, like, just like a little one minute we stopped in town. No, um, I, I think the, the biggest issue for me is so much from the opening <laughs> scene was in the trailer that I felt like... You're just waiting for that. I already knew where the scene was going, so everything that happened in this in in the star was for the most part inconsequential to me, which is why I felt like either that scene should have been longer or it should have been completely different from what it was. So, and that's 
that that's just the way I felt about it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad film scene. I just, yeah. but after that, and and when we get into the into the house, uh, and when we really start progressing through with some of the characters, I mean, some of the some of the emotions that are going on between uh, the daughter and the father are actually quite intriguing because you have this idea of him trying to repair this for her, make her a new one and trying to hide it from her, which is kind of weird. Uh, but then also her thinking that he blames her for it, which in reality probably does. What do you think um, that he's, wait, you're saying that he's trying to hide it from her because it's, yeah, in the, let's it's, talk about that. I don't really think, I don't think it's, I don't think he doesn't allow her to go into the basement because he's trying to hide that from her. I think that he doesn't allow her in the basement because that equipment probably makes a shit ton of noise. Here's the thing though. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie forgets that because mm. you have the scene between her and him where he's trying to test out the latest hearing aid mm. and like that whole scene plays out. So that's important character development between the two. So why is it that when she goes into the basement, even if she's never been down there and she sees the hearing aid, why is she so basically I'm not convinced that she's crying because she just misses her father. I, it seemed more like a, I had no idea he loved me so much. But it's like, well, no, you guys have these conversations routinely. And, he's made it, yeah. and you're so pissed off that he keeps doing it that you wanted him to stop. So, like, literally scooping up these hearing aids uh, as if they were the missing pieces. Like, hmm. It just, that scene did not work for me whatsoever. Um, to the point where it was just downright confusing. Because at first I was like, oh, she didn't realize this was down there. But then I'm like, no, wait, she has to know that this exists. And I, Maybe not to the level? I don't, I, maybe she just didn't understand the extent of how much work he was actually putting into making those hearing aids and like seeing that out there. And just, that's, that's at least my reasoning yeah. for that scene. That's what I took away from that scene. Here's, here's what I know. So he's doing that because in this world her hearing aid no longer works. And, yeah. Uh, is someone who's is on his third pair, you know, hearing aids in in a good world, a functioning world, lasts maybe five years. I guess I've gotten about seven out of each pair, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm all too uh, familiar with the nightmare of the idea that in a post-apocalyptic world that there would be no audiologists uh, mm-hmm. to fix my hearing aid. So as as someone who can't even stand and bring my hearing aid into the audiologist because then I'll be without it. Uh, you, you would not be necessarily not reminded on a daily basis that this is something you're lacking. So the idea that A, she would be that fed up with him <laughs> trying to do that, which I know is also uh, conflated with her belief that you know he doesn't love her or whatever, mm-hmm. but... Um, Mixed with the idea that she gets that emotional upon seeing how many hearing it, it just uh, felt like a hearing person writing for a disabled person. Mm. So you might have some there. Anyway, I still feel like their relationship is probably for me the best part of the dramatic part of the film. Um, I I love the idea that that he honestly probably does blame her for that. Maybe a little. I don't think we get to know him well enough to even make that call. Yeah. I, I just mean as far as the way he's written. Like, I'm not saying no one could read that into it, mm-hmm. but this movie, due to its structure, which I applaud, like it's a great 
uh, conceit, uh, cannot support the weight of uh, parental guilt and possible hatred of a child. Yeah, and, and, I say and, and I'm hatred, with, not necessarily to be over exaggeration, but like that kind of. I'm with you, and I mean, it's kind of hard to say anything about that in this specific environment because this is such a. Uh, this is not the world we live in. This is a completely different environment. However, um, the reason why I feel like my reading of that is somewhat valid is because of the the way he reacts when his son says, well, she thinks you don't love her. Like, he looks completely surprised, um, which to me, and like the first time I thought about it, I'm like, oh, he just, you know. But at the same time, shit, she knows. Uh, yeah, uh, why would why would he have that reaction? Like, so like it, should, should, shouldn't shouldn't he be aware of why? Like, uh, I well, I think know. it's because they don't talk about it. Well, obviously, because you know, yeah, and then the yeah, yeah. So okay, if that's your reading, then then how does the final scene make sense? Like, he just decides to forgive <laughs> her. That's I'm, not, I'm not saying he hates her for it. I'm saying that I feel like he blames her for it. That doesn't mean that he doesn't love her anymore. Hmm. I get what you're saying. Well, now I'm picturing like him doing that final, like, I love you. I've always loved you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you killed my son, but I forgive you. You're doing like fake sign language Very right now. Very fake. Yeah. 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 Thanks, yeah. bud. That's great. That's fine. I'll, I'll I'll step away. Clearly, I'm outnumbered here. No, I I'm, no, no, no. I I agree. I yeah, I think so. I'm well, good. Sorry. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just like that was I guess earlier when I said that the dramatic like that was the main part that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Now here's what I'll say for my perspective is that I really liked uh, Millicent in this role mm-hmm. and the character that she played, mm-hmm. and I wish the film was more about her, just her trying to reconcile her part in her brother's death because that's what the film is kind of about. For example, um, she awakes, she's basically an audience surrogate in a lot of ways. Uh, she essentially is the person that awakes from that prologue. You know, it's, we see the prologue happen Mm -hmm. and I think it's telling that editing wise, the next scene is her on the beach, uh, On, in the sand, yeah. In the just, sand, yeah. coming out of that right. in a very frightened state. Mm-hmm. So we don't cut to uh, John Krasinski character, which I think a lot of filmmakers would have been tempted to do. Mm. Um, and even if other characters certainly have this flash, like the Emily Bunn's character at one point also flashes to it and so on and so forth, it always feels like this is her journey the most. Mm. So here's the thing. If that's true, and this is about a girl trying to figure out her place in this world and and, uh, her part in her brother's death, the fact that the climax of the father's final speech is more about him doesn't really do anything for what's her strongest arc. It it um it felt like in that moment that the film kind of forgot that it was stealthily trying to be about her and mm. be about how she feels, and it decides that the most important theme in this movie is John Krasinski just trying to be a good dad, and it 
just felt a little icky, not in an offensive way, but in a, this could have only been written and directed that moment by John Krasinski himself, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of where the dramatic inertia of this just falls flat for me, because I feel like that's the most important scene in your entire movie when it comes to drama. And for him to whiff it that badly and to pay more attention to his own character who was never really struggling with anything that, say, Emily Blunt wasn't already struggling mm-hmm. with. You know, like, that was just a collective family thing. Um, it, it just didn't quite make sense to me because then her big moment is only an afterthought and a reaction to his. I mean, I would... To back up a little bit, I would contest that this film is stealthily trying to frame Millicent's character as sort of the main focus. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I agree with you. But I'm just saying I don't think that the film knows that. I, I think I – Yeah. Think, I, think I mean, with, I think it's confused. With, with, the, with the, the main centerpiece exchange between Emily Blunt's character and John Krasinski's character being like, we have to protect them. Who are we if we cannot protect them? And so I would it's already, to say still alive. It's, it's speaking to this uh, – parental um this parental instinct this 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 paternal instinct to to like sacrifice or to protect these children like that's where john krasinski's like whole character is aligned this entire system that they've created on this farm in this house has been uh it's implied that this is entirely through his effort Oh, yeah. To really just protect his family. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like his character is one of those who, while he's the one who's, like, spearheading this entire thing and is certainly Mm. the brains behind it, so to speak, uh, it always feels like his character is also just trying to, quote-unquote, step out of frame. Like, he's just doing this because that's what a man would do. Like, you know, like, Mm. um, him, you know, unloading the bag of sand just has this... I, I, this urgency. Oh, I got a dude's got a bunch. Well, I was going to say not an urgency. I was going to say a very calm, like, like he's about to look at the camera and go, don't mind me. Is it just something I got to do for the fame? Like, I, there, there's just something so. I felt a breast and it just feels like a bag of sand. <laughs> Who the fuck are you quoting from it's that? From a 40 year old virgin. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> he's quoting your diary. We all see it on fuck YouTube. Fuck you. Okay. So. <clears throat> Um, it's like, that's where that, uh, just kind of came into play for me, where I just felt it was a little too, like, you watched the Discovery Channel, right? I know I did all my days on this walking dialogue earth. (laughs) Um, I want to say one more random thing, which is I really, there's, I don't have any problems with this movie when it comes to, like, plot holes. Like, I, whatever you want to throw at it, it's a horror film, so it's... It exists to set up its set pieces, so I'm totally there. One thing that made me kind of go, hmm, Mm. (laughs) was when John Krasinski takes his son to the waterfall, which I thought was a great scene, and I loved when they were talking. But then when he's like, let's just shout really loud, because don't worry, the waterfall will mask it. That just felt like one of those, like, chances you just don't take. Yeah. Like I, I get the science behind it when he was having the initial conversation, like mm-hmm. you know, small sound, bit whatever. But like this whole like, oh! yeah, like, it's a very shrill, prepubescent voice. I don't really know how. Yeah, that might it's carry. not like I wouldn't have been some of the alien came and just ate the child. Then. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, 
Um, so it's not like when it happened, I was like, oh, well, this makes no sense. An alien should come eat them. But I was just kind of like, why would a sane human, especially one who doesn't allow your son to play with toys, even when the batteries are out? Like, wouldn't you as a parent put the batteries in your pocket and then just give the toy back to him? You know, like, anyway, like, you wouldn't have a dead child if you would have did that. Ooh. Oh, snap. But, yeah, so that's the other thing is that for a parent who's literally dealing with the grief of the child, here, little one, scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it was just I, one of those things where, I, like, I didn't hate it, but I was just kind of like, See, uh, I, 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 I feel like, I feel like <laughs> I'm. Uh, oh, oh, no. No, no, no. oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, just Lion King this shit up. Oh, yeah. I will say that. Uh, although logically, I'm I'm with you. That's got to be in the same ballpark of them having another child, though. Like in in this in this, what is like? I urge you to scream. The other was like, I just I hope that we can protect our child. Like, no, I, like there's one being there's being naive and just hoping, and especially because you know they thought it through, even if it's a silly thing, but with the will, whatever. But the like, it's just like why why. Why wave a knife in front of a bully? Um, I, I, I guess the only thing I have to say to that is it's probably pretty hard to live in this world where you can't fucking talk or communicate really well. That's way. the thing is that I would have so much appreciated had they had like a talk. I mean, I know they did for like a minute, mm-hmm. but like if for one scene they just kind of had this extended little powwow where they just fucking chill. Maybe they talk about random things like. Remember candy? Remember video game? Like, whatever. I don't know, but it it just remember like, pop felt, rocks. It just felt a little more like that could be a little I more productive. A, I know we haven't had a good chance to talk about this since you know we've had this whole thing, but I'm guessing you're having wet dreams. Oh, how, how do you have that conversation? I mean, it's still gonna happen. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> Stop. Um, listen, don't tell your sister, but... Uh, oh, no, no. I know you're masturbating tonight. Oh, night. no. <laughs> oh, no. I know she, she, I know she can't hear you, but... Uh, oh, no. Please. Me and your mom can, okay? So <laughs> oh, my Here's God. what I want you to do. I made you an adult wooden crib, and I want you to get in there every time. Don't worry, we have an O2 tank for you, too, buddy-o. The adult wooden crib. <laughs> First of all, that's the other thing. <laughs> Like, I'm really, this is more just a fun conversation. Like, I'm not trying to, like, say yeah. that these are faults in the movie. Yeah. But if you have the power to make your little baby okay. a cute little wooden crib, yeah, why aren't you trying to do that on a larger scale? Elaborate. Like, either A, why aren't you trying to barricade that room? Like, mm-hmm. like. Make an actual bunker of sorts, like a Instead mattress. Of putting like a fucking mattress, right? Like yeah. it, he can fucking make hearing aids. No offense, I don't know how anybody can do that shit who didn't go to school for it. But he can't try to cobble together a bunker. Like that part's a little weird. Mm. But like for the baby, like they can have this, and it just seemed like like the, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, that's actually a genius idea. Like very macabre and creepy when I saw it, but I was like, that's just what you have to do. But then I was like. Why, why why doesn't he make like fucking five of those just and each have, and have them each big enough and that's what they sleep in or something mm-hmm. you know like probably because he's the he's the 
the professor from Gilligan's Island. That's true. He can solve you problems. You can never make the raft. He can solve problems, but he cannot solve the problem. Oh, man. If only there were coconuts in this movie. <laughs> they would have had a radio that worked. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anything else? About yeah, that? I hated the whiteboard. What's the weakness? Did you also hate the... Uh, you just don't like whiteboards. Um, the yeah. one stray newspaper when they were leaving the uh, convenience store where it's like, it's sound! And it's just like wafting there. It's like, oh, how convenient. Environmental storytelling. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was more just ambiance and creep factor. Like, uh. Sound is not something that they also create, but that can be created by things that are external. So it was more just, uh, for me at least. I guess a, the reason why I, I mentioned that is because it just feels like another piece of, of very obvious exposition that's sort of like attached oh, there, alongside I mean, as far with, as with the, the newspaper, Right. Yeah. The, no, like, the newspaper collage. And the text, for right. sure, is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but the whiteboard was especially egregious because nobody writes that down. With no space to actually what? write an answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense, but if if they'd at least like written things down and then like cross it out, like fire, and then like crossed it out, like that would make sense because he's already doing that. Like he already has that organizational mind. Mm-hmm. But to write, what's the weakness with two exclamation points or two question marks? I just uh, it's a little silly. What? Yeah. Only because then how. I'm sorry, but the daughter's not that stupid. How does she three times get feedback in her hearing aid and see... Okay, one time she didn't see it, so I'll give her that. The the monster's behind her, but whatever. But two times then before she really figures it out. But it has to be her looking at the whiteboard to actually Yeah, I trip get what's going on. To, yeah. So that part was just... Once again, John Krasinski's character could have figured it out like that, mm-hmm. but not the daughter, because she's not a man provided for her family. Mm. Eh, just, yeah. That's yeah. what I mean about the ick factor. There, there's something that's very narrow-minded about this movie, which is otherwise great in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it executes well on its core premise, on its core hook of what it's trying to do, but um, it... it doesn't come together in some of the other supplementary um, facets that it could do better at. That's why I think that it qualifies as a good film, not necessarily. It's not necessarily a film that for me, I've seen it twice now. It's like that it builds. It just sort of like plateaus at just being like a very decent, solid through film. Yeah. So ratings. Yeah, sure. Uh, I thought this was actually really good. Yeah. Um, Maybe after our talk, I'll end up being the highest rated of everybody. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give this a three and a half out of five, though, is mm-hmm. I thought this was a, a really fun film that I enjoyed watching from start to finish. Uh, it never got too deep for me into a you know really um, ongoing plot that uh, could have created this unnecessary time suck throughout the film. Uh, and and I appreciate that uh, almost always a film that has a shorter runtime that could still give you a, a good final product is your favorite movie is Casino. That's true. <laughs> um, that's for much different reasons. Yeah. Uh, but this specific film, uh, I enjoyed the way that it was pretty much all put together. Um, 
even though it seems like there's been some crapping on him, I actually kind of enjoyed John Krasinski's character uh, in the way that, that he moved throughout this film. Um, mm. I feel like a lot of the characters just fall into the stereotypes of what they need to be in this world. Um, and, and I guess for me, uh, there's a lot to say about that for us looking at it, but um, as this is kind of a snapshot of these four people and then five at the very end um, in time uh, in this, this reality that is uh, a much more, I, f- I feel like realistic version of this than something like we saw in uh, similar films like I am legend or signs uh, even though I actually quite enjoy both of those, even though they're doing a lot similar things to this. This mostly reminded me of M. Night Shyamalan in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, not because they're the same horror director, but they both seem fascinated by the way a family bands together against the unknowable. Mm-hmm. But the the nice thing about this is it doesn't have any of the religious bullshit that that film had. Um, and, and I appreciated a lot of the, the intrigue throughout this as, as this had a gimmick going for in it, for the most part committed to it throughout. And when it did break it, it had its reasons. So, um, I appreciated so many little things of this film as well. Uh, I loved the view of the fireworks going off of it while he was running through the, um, the cornfield with the gun. Mm-hmm. I thought that image was just awesome. Yeah. Um, and even the uh, the nice horror uh, moment at the very end when the, when the monster kind of regroups and comes after them and she shoots it in the face. Um, I thought, even though I thought the very final image was silly, I thought that was a great moment for Emily Blunt's character as she is protecting her family in that moment where, for the most part, she's been playing the wife, but now she is playing the sole parent in, in the... Uh, Once you get that family. baby out, well, then you take the aliens out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was a, overall a really solid film, and, and I gave it three and a half out of five, and I just enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to have to echo a lot of Alex's sentiments. I'm going to give this a three and a half out of five as well, just because it's it's the kind of film that I think I went to go see this like maybe two days ago, and we just like got back from a from another viewing of it, and I just enjoyed it just as much, just as thoroughly for the same reasons as I did the first time I saw it. Like I could totally see this being the sort of film that I would um, either catch on cable and would just like watch from whatever point it, w- it was playing at, just because it feels like such a singular and such a particular experience to be able to see a story that is spaced around the 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 motif of silence or at least like the, the the presence of silence and how sound like is itself a threat to these people's like entire like existence and, I, and it's not in such a way that it, it feels like it, it's overbearing it's it's just sort of like it's realistic like what what alex would say is like yeah so yeah i would totally recommend this film three and a half out of five yeah, I also very much enjoyed it. Uh, I'll give it three and a half out of five too. Like, oh. I am. I guess I, it sounds like I was shitty on it, but I'm mostly just trying to say that the parts that work in this movie, which I would say are the more straightforwardly horror parts, 
are so good at what they're doing that I wish that everything supporting it just held up a little higher. Um, overall, though, I think it's a, a very great exercise in horror. And while I don't think John Krasinski is in any way um, making a huge statement or uh, footprint in the horror genre uh, all that much, I'm glad for this one little entry. Um, I will say the other thing, too, <clears throat> it's very rare to have a uh, deaf character in a film in which they're basically, if not the protagonist, certainly one of the more important uh, characters in the entire film, especially one that deals with their uh, disability uh, from start to finish so thoroughly. And I've already seen certain articles that are cropping up in the wake of this movie that are basically praising this aspect. And I really want to say, as a person who wears hearing aids, that that is a dangerous slope because while I am extremely uh, giddy that not only was there a person with a hearing aid in this movie, but that the hearing aid feedback turned out to be the... uh, uh, the, the, the silver bullet. Yeah, the the big Achilles heel of the uh, alien. Um, that in and of itself is not representation. That is a chosen one <laughs> prophecy that does not um, allow a person like myself. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that that is that that part of this film is probably what reminds me of Signs the yeah. most. Right, like right. the idea of the bat being on the wall or the water being throughout the the right. room. Like it seems your, like your it's... biggest weakness is actually your greatest strength. Welcome to Earth. No, I I, th- I think for me it more was saying that well, if she wouldn't have had that, then they would have just all died. Like it yeah. was it was kind of a weird. Like throughout the film, up until that point, I felt like it for the most part worked really well. But but I'm with you on on, on the very ending. right. The, the ending turns it into, oh, that's why you have a deaf character, and like that in and of itself was never offensive. Like it wasn't like I was like, holy shit, you know, because uh, the the character certainly exists outside of her disability. Um, even if I thought that the movie kind of used her as a prop and sometimes when it came to the sound design because as much as it is cool that the sound drops out from her point of view um, it did it almost a few too many times in a way that if if you're going to do something like that why not set the entire sequence to her like why only drop it the moment that it cuts to the alien behind her you know what I mean well I was going to say um I guess that as well, but it seemed a little too cutesy when it did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all I'm saying about the uh, disability aspect is that this is in no way a step forward, but man, is it exciting to think that it might uh, be something, the start of something else. Because I can just say as someone who wears hearing aids that my own feedback on my hearing aids has annoyed the shit out of me. So um, the fact that that turned out to be the answer was certainly gratifying in a very fun and obscure way. Um, but it's, uh, I, I wish we would applaud more subtle things in media, like um, The Leftover Season 2 featured a hard-of-hearing character, who, which the audience did not know was hard-of-hearing until the episode started with her, uh, in which the volume was turned down for an entire montage, and the 
audience was unaware as to why until she put her hearing aid in. So it's little things like that where you actually just show what it's like to exist and mm-hmm. not uh, simply what it's like to have a hidden superpower. Yeah. So I um, I just wanted to touch on that because I'm already starting to see, like, oh, is this finally a, a, a crack in the glass ceiling for uh, disability? Well, face, people are umbrella-ing uh, disability representation, which is also kind of stupid. Be the bannerman, the great trumpeteer of, of of this new glass ceiling being shattered. Yeah. This is the content industrial complex just sort of oh, like right. grinding its gears again. For sure. Um, I'm just saying, like, it, it's less that... Cause I, there's no other way to describe this other than to say it's not that I don't want to be lumped in with, like, let's say, somebody who uses a wheelchair or something, but that would be disrespectful to both of us to think that that's somehow we're in the same category because we can both have access to the same handicap placard. Right. Like it's just, well, it's also to, um, both have disabilities have different lived experiences that are affected by, by to say you want uh, disability representation is what you should really say is you want human representation, yeah. which is that <laughs> I want minority representation. What, which, which, which minority? Are right. you talking? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying well, to say dis- yeah. disability lives matter, and, uh, but I guess I, I am. I was just going to say though. I mean, it's get a shirt that says "I can't hear." Jesus Christ. Um, the idea of of this is like, well, you you've just you've just made progress because now somebody who is in a wheelchair will possibly be cast as a character who's in a wheelchair, right? Yeah, no, I I completely agree. So um, it's not like you're, you're although I will say this is a rare step forward that we're actually casting deaf actresses yeah. to do it. So Which at is least great. we've are been... starting to move forward in that direction. Wouldn't have been like Emma Stone being cast in this. Room. She also would have been Asian a, in this film, too. got a cochlear implant. Why? Well, I just wanted to make it more authentic. <laughs> you know, you like that. that's like in your head now. What? <laughs> I thought it was a tattoo. Oh, God. Christian Bale would do it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's not a thing to be proud of. That's Christian Bale. That's all that needs to be said. So if you out there have any thoughts on A Quiet Place... Or disabilities. Probably don't need those. Or Uh, films. That would work, though. Uh, You can send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or try to find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow. Just try to find us. Good luck. Yeah, try. Yeah. I dare you, motherfucker. We're too quiet. Uh, Hey, that's actually unfortunately true. Um, So... Episode 150 is coming up. Oh, Gotta catch them all. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Wes Anderson on our next episode, specifically his new film, Isle of Dogs. But also, uh, since we haven't done any Wes Anderson films, I thought it would be fun to almost do a little bit of a... Take a little trip around the block. Yeah, not reviewing all of his films. Well, but I'm just, going to. Okay. Just talking more about him With as... Beautifully a, meticulous dioramas. I, I'd i love to see it. Good luck. Uh, I'm sure those will communicate very well over the podcast. I just want to see them. I don't think he's <laughs> going to do them, but it's okay. Oh, it's on. Okay. We'll see. It's not on. I didn't think so. Oh, no, shit. You heard that. Yeah. Um, just, it'll be fun to talk about Wes Anderson as a filmmaker and also to some of the works he's done, um, as he's been a 
very interesting filmmaker through his career is he's made some films that I would say are probably somewhat polarizing or at least pushed people away. I'm thinking specifically of the life aquatic and the Darjeeling limited, which are two of his best. Hey, yeah. Oh, there I, I go again. I Always swinging them. <laughs> so we'll be hitting on that coming up on our next episode. So from Nick Cheney, Hey, Tucson Egan. Hey, Hey, oh. Hey, Myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for catching up with us here at Film Tank, and we'll be catching up with you again next time. Thanks.